Would you turn with me to Luke chapter 2? Luke chapter 2, would you turn or swipe there? We're going to be there in just a moment. Uh, We're in our third week of the season of Advent. Advent is the season that precedes Christmas. It's a season of waiting. It is a season of expectation. It's a season where we look backward to the time when Jesus came the first time. And it's a season where we look forward where Jesus will return again and renew all things and death will die. So we are still in that season of waiting for that day. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Real quick, before we get there, and as you're still turning or swiping, I want to thank Toby, who just went back there with the kids so I can embarrass her. She's a deacon in our church that has become kind of the liaison for our neighborhood clothes closet. How many of you have served in the neighborhood clothes closet? I hope it's a good bit of you. That's wonderful. We do this every third Saturday right up the road here at the Rock Community Center, and it's a way that we can be present to our community. It's hard to be present to a community when you don't own a building and people just don't wander in all the time. So this is our way of getting not just in here where we can worship and pray and do those, but to get out there and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because at the end, that, t- that day to which we're looking forward, Jesus will come and say, look, you who are blessed, come and receive the kingdom. Why? Because when I was hungry, you what? Fed me? When I was naked, you what? You clothed me. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. All these things. This is the way that we practice our faith, right? To be a Christian is not just to say you believe it, but it is to be lived as the way Jesus would live. And that's what we're up to, and that's why we try to do that. But Toby has done an incredible job of just being present. We see, I mean, 26 families, but multiply that by a ton of kids, a ton of people. That's a lot of people, and it was a lot of people today. So say thanks to Toby, and talk to us if you would like to serve there on a third Saturday. All right, we're in Luke chapter 2. And we're cheating a little bit because Jesus has already been born. In Luke chapter 2. And so we're fast forwarding tonight. At least 40 days after Jesus was born. 40 days after Jesus was born. There were three ceremonies required by a Jewish law. For Mary and Joseph and Jesus to take part in. Aren't y'all glad that it's hard enough to have a little baby these days. In the first 40 days you don't have to go uh, a long distance to some temple. And do these kinds of purification rituals are you glad it's hard enough right to have kids running around much less to do these kind of religious laws and ceremonies well they were faithful to the Jewish law so they were doing these three ceremonies so in Luke chapter 2 at the very beginning you're reading Mary and Joseph doing these things it involved a purification ritual for Mary it involved a presentation of the firstborn son that harkened back to an ancient, ancient story called the Exodus, where they present their firstborn as like, God, this is yours. You've given us this, and we're giving it back, which is similar to the third ceremony, which was like a dedication of the first child to the Lord's service. In our church, we do baby dedications, right? Well, these are kind of what they were up to 40 days after Jesus was born. You with me? So Mary and Joseph are walking up to the temple in order to do these ceremonies, and then we encounter a dude named Simeon. Y'all say Simeon, because I'll probably say Simon accidentally. So let's all say Simeon. 
All right, and let's see this encounter with this man named Simeon. Let's pick it up in verse 25. Let's hear this story. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Messiah is the Jewish word for king or anointed king. Verse 27. So moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents, that's Mary and Joseph, brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, right? Simeon snatched up the baby. He took him in his arms and he praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. We'll come back to that. Then the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. So what's been going on is this. We meet this guy, Simeon. What is told to us about Simeon? Y'all see that there? What is Simeon? If I said, describe Simeon to me, who's Simeon? You read words like righteous. Do y'all see that? What's another word you see? Devout. So this guy is no slouch. He's not a priest, but he is a holy man who's following these laws that Joseph and Mary are following. And he's trying to live life with God. And then we see what? The Holy Spirit was what? On him. Now that's something, isn't it? How do you think you can tell when the Holy Spirit is on someone? There's just something different about them. Maybe the way they live, the way they love, the way they serve. This man was a good man, more than a good man. The Holy Spirit was on him, empowering him, moving in him. So this is Simeon. What does it say Simeon was doing? He was waiting. You hear that? How many of you love to wait? I don't love to wait. Advent is a season of waiting, as we just said. And in our culture, we're not very good at waiting, okay? If you want to eat something, you can microwave it. Or you can pop open a bag and eat it. You can get anything you want instantaneously. I used to have to beg my parents to take me to Blockbuster so I can rent Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Now, I can watch it on Amazon Prime or Netflix or HBO Go or fill in the blank. Everything is instantaneous, so it's hard for us to wait, isn't it? Now, think back to when you were a kid and you really, really had to wait for all these lovely things that were under these lovely Christmas trees. Was it hard or easy to wait to tear into those? This is the easiest question I'll ask you all night, and I've got a lot. It was hard says some kids in the back. I remember I had one present that was 
impossible to wait for. Did y'all have a that present that was impossible to wait for? You did, Stephanie? What was that present for you? Shout them out. Like easy bake ovens or the classics or what? You're still thinking? A bicycle. Atari? For me, it was bicycle. But it wasn't any bicycle. It was a chrome bicycle. A chrome bicycle was cooler than all the other bicycles and cooler than the bicycle that Bill wanted, I'm sure. And I had to have this bicycle. But here is the problem. Not only was I waiting for Christmas Day in hope that I would receive this bicycle, the problem was I would look in our garage and I wouldn't see the dang bicycle. Like, where do you hide a bicycle? Like, you don't hide it under the bed. We had a small house in a small attic. You don't hide it up there. There's no way my dad could have gotten a bike in the attic. No offense to him. But every day I walked around longing for the bike, and every day I looked with spite at my beat-up, piece-of-junk, non-chrome cast bike, and every day it began to, to just team this bitterness and frustration with me and this doubt with me. So now fast forward to your life now and think about something, and I'm getting serious here, think about something you're not asking Santa for, think about something you're asking God for. If we went to the mall and God the Father is there and you could crawl up into his lap and get your picture taken, what are you asking him for right now? Perhaps you're stuck at this impasse. Perhaps you're praying for some healing for you or for someone else. Perhaps you're waiting for some opportunity. And just think about how hard it was for you to wait for a bike now how hard is it for, to wait for something that's beyond your control, that only God can do? How hard is it? Here's what happens. Remember when I would look around and I wouldn't see it and I'd get frustrated. I'd see my old beat up bike and I would feel ungrateful. Here's what happens. We begin to go through this progression. We start to feel discouragement. Think about in your life that thing you're waiting for. If you're like me, you say, well, should I even keep asking God for it? Or am I the only one that feels that way, discouraged? Like, let's have some real talk about waiting. Discouragement can lead to doubt. Because if you keep saying, well, should I even keep asking this? I mean, is this really going to happen? Then it can begin to shift into doubt. And you can say, well, I'm not even sure that God cares. Like, I'm doubting is God even good? Has anyone felt the tinge of that feeling? It's okay. It's a safe place in here because it's hard to wait and it's hard to wait for things that are beyond our control and that we want God to do and, and the timing is not our liking. So you can be discouraged and that can move into the season of doubt which is more of that tinge of like, I'm not sure God will even do this. And then that can lead to this distress, this, this, excuse me, distrust. Is God even there? Like, I'm not trusting that he's even here. I'm not trusting that what I'm hearing in church and reading in scriptures, like, I'm not trusting that this is even legit. And then that can even move the furthest to disbelief. I'm not sure God is really real. The waiting game is a dangerous game 
if we don't learn to wait well. Now, what was Simeon waiting for, right? It wasn't just that he was stuck or waiting for a new job or some of the things that we might pray for. He was waiting for a big thing. He was waiting for a centuries-old thing. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Do you remember hearing that phrase when we just read it? What do you think that means, the consolation of Israel? What he has been waiting for is God's rescue and God's king. Because the Holy Spirit said, just keep waiting. You're going to see God's king before you die. He's been waiting for God's king to come and to comfort God's people. Flip over to Isaiah chapter 40. And we're going to stay in Isaiah a little bit later. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, for God to come and comfort his people. These are the words in Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. That's where they were in our story earlier. And proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. That her sin has been paid for. This is what they're waiting for, right? That she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins, right? They've experienced pain and suffering. And then verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. And the rough ground shall become level. And the rugged places plain. And look. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people, say all people, hold on to that, will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What he's waiting for is a centuries-old waiting, right? We've been oppressed, we've been in exile, we have these enemy kings lording over us, and then in Simeon's lifetime, we've got Rome, they're occupying our streets, they've got swords, they're beating us, they've put down revolutions in the past from people who've claimed to be God's king, and now they're taxing the mess out of us. It's what Pastor Kathy talked about so beautifully the last two weeks. So you think you have problems, and you do, Simeon's got all the kind of problems we face, plus he's on the losing end geopolitically. He's on the losing end because his people are the poor and put upon and oppressed, and they're waiting for God's king and God's kingdom to break in and finally give me some dang comfort. This is the kind of waiting that Simeon and those like him are waiting for. But I believe that Simeon didn't go down the rabbit hole of discouragement and doubt and distrust and disbelief. Because I think Simeon gives us an example of looking in hope. I said living on the screen. I want to change that word to looking in hope and listening to the Spirit. And here's what I mean by that. He was clinging to that revelation from the Spirit that he'd see God's King. He was looking forward for that consolation of Israel. And remember, the Holy Spirit was what? On him. Not just with him, on him. Sustaining him. So here's what you've got to remember in the seasons of waiting, okay? And we're going to talk about your life again. Where are you waiting? If you are in Jesus, if you've said, Jesus, I'm yours, 
and I'm following you, the Holy Spirit has not just come on you, but in you. And you don't wait alone. And this is what we have to remember. That as God's people, we don't just wait. We wait with the Holy Spirit of God. Pulling us forward into the day and saying, it's not here yet, but one day God will make all things new. And we have to lean into that. We have to live into that and look forward to that. So the better question of what are you waiting for is, how are you waiting? Because we can wait with all the distrust and all the discouragement. But if we are not waiting with the Holy Spirit and looking ahead and saying, it doesn't make sense to me and it really stinks right now and she's not well and he's not okay. But one day I'm going to hold on and say, I've got nothing else so I'm going to trust you. That forward look can change your present. And it's not some kind of I think I can, I think I can mind tricks. It's trying to lean into the very presence of God within you that is more real than all the fake and distrusting voices that can creep up. But here's the struggle if you're a Christian and you have the Holy Spirit within you. All the other voices can get so dadgum loud. I'm not good enough. It will never happen And then off you go down the discouragement and doubt and distrust and finally disbelief train. So like Simeon, remember and cling to the things that the Holy Spirit has and is speaking and nudging into your life. Because look what happens back in Luke chapter 2. Simeon gets moved by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. He gets moved by the Spirit to go into the temple courts. You know what that tells me, reading between the lines with Simeon's life? He didn't just cling to something the Holy Spirit told him like 50 years ago. He was still showing up every day thinking today might be the day. We don't know when he heard, hey, you're going to see God's king before you die. But let's assume it wasn't yesterday. And even if it was yesterday, he still woke up and said, maybe today's the day. Are you with me? I'm reading between the lines, but I'm seeing that he was still leaning into the Holy Spirit enough to be moved by him to say, get up and go to the temple courts. Now, I want to take a quick pause and talk about that bit about revealing to him that he wouldn't die before he sees the Lord's Messiah. I want to just say two things. It's not often, if you're a Christian and the Holy Spirit is in you, that you get specific, thus saith the Lord, take this job at McDonald's and you will see the Lord's Messiah. You know, we wish it was that way, don't we? Or am I the only one that wishes it was that way? We want him to download the Google map for our life. I want to tell you it is rare that you get those kinds of specifics. But it happens. It happens because the Bible is a record of God dealing with people and God moving in people. And I want to tell you that if it happened to Simeon and it happened to Paul and it happened to a host of other people in this book, I can give you a line down this aisle of all the people I know personally today 
that have had a similar experience? Have you had an experience like this? Have you had an experience where you felt some calling to a task or ministry? We have people in our church that are missionaries that have said, God has called me to minister among these people in this place. It happens. It happened to me as a young man. I took the long road around, but he said, hey, you should live and give your life to a church in pastoral ministry. I said, okay, and I went and got some undergrad degree, didn't want to go to seminary and did all these other things, but eventually I took the long road around because there was still this nagging and nudging in my heart that God had kind of said, lean into this. There are people in our church, there are people in this room right here that have received some direct word of wisdom and word of direction. There are people, I I was joking about McDonald's, that have just sensed, I have got to take this job, and I believe that there's kingdom opportunity for me in this. Has anyone experienced some kind of specific revelation like Simeon? If you haven't, watch out, you might. And I think you might when you live in such a way, the second thing I want to talk about, that is trying to stay tuned into the movement and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Simeon had this direct revelation, you ain't going to die until you see the Messiah. But then, what else? He wakes up one morning, he brushes his teeth, washes his face, puts on his suit and tie, and he goes and he, oh, I got to go to the temple courts. What's more common is that every day I believe the Holy Spirit is just nudging and whispering. The trouble is we can push it away or we can push it so much that we forget even what it feels like or sounds like. And I feel like this is one of the rubs of the church in America today. Christianity is something that we say, yes, I believe in God. Yes, Jesus is cool. Yes, Jesus died for my sins. But we've so neglected the day-to-day power of the Holy Spirit within us that is giving us the ability to be like Jesus in our everyday life. And we lose the fact that we can have an ongoing relationship of intimacy with God in our everyday life. If our Christianity is just something and some list of things that you can put on a document and sign, then we are not living a Christian life. We are believing or mentally asserting some facts that have no bearing on an actual life. And so we need to really show up and try to live in such a way that we can begin to be in tune like Simeon as we wait for the ultimate day in our day-to-day, the movement of the Holy Spirit. In the Spiritual Disciplines Index from a ministry called Renovare, Renovare is a like publishing house and they do conferences and they publish like a study Bible. They publish books by a spiritual discipline guy named Richard Foster. We've done Celebration of Discipline in here. They define this spiritual discipline of guidance this way. Experiencing an interactive friendship with God. Hello, would anybody love that kind of experience? An interactive friendship with God. You know what interactive means? That I speak and listen because God speaks and listens. Experiencing an interactive friendship with God that gives direction and purpose to my daily life. And I love those last two words. 
I love those last two words, and here's why. Because if you're like me, sometimes my God life is over here, and my daily life is over there. This is another problem with me. This is another problem with the American church, is we can't pull these two things together and say, no, 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 to be a disciple of Jesus is to choose to do what Jesus would do if he were in your shoes at the hospital, if he were in your shoes at the school, in the art class, to choose to do what Jesus would do in your actual everyday life as a parent. And here's the trick. Every day we run up against the real world that says, I can't do this, and it says, no, no worries, I'm with you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And it can give you, he can give you what you need to live like Jesus in the power of Jesus. And so some questions to think about. What do you think an interactive friendship with God looks like in everyday life? How often during the course of a typical day are you attentive to God's presence with you because I think Simeon had other plans that morning but Mary and Joseph and Jesus were walking into the temple for their ceremonies and he needed to show up and the Holy Spirit says go and he had listened just well enough and responded just slightly enough to where God's kingdom can break in in a powerful way. And the way the kingdom breaks in is in an incredible and powerful way of announcing the birth of God's king and God's consolation. So I want to ask Brendan to come. And I want him to sing the words sung over the child that Simeon took into his arms. And I want us to listen to these words and imagine in all the hustling and bustling of the men and women and children and animals and all the daily activity happening in the place where the Jews believed heaven and earth met in the temple. I want you to imagine everything coming to a complete standstill because a young mother and father and young son are stopped by a stranger who listened to the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see on Mary's face the puzzling look as this man tries to take this child out of her arms. And she has this look of any mother with this kind of protective nature, but perhaps she was moved by the Holy Spirit. And she allows him to take it because immediately he's going to break out into this kingdom announcement. And Joseph looks on at this scene, and I believe maybe you can just imagine in your mind's eye all the dust settling and the children quieting and the people looking in the holiest place, the temple. But we're not in the holy of holies. It's not in the place that all the priests could go only once a year. It's in the court of the Gentiles. The court where all the nations could come. Or maybe it's just over here at the court of women where Mary was allowed to come into. 
It was where all the regular people who needed to hear this good news could hear this song. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. It's Brendan. I loved how he sang that because I can imagine a man rocking a child. And what I love about that song is for Simeon, who had been waiting for the consolation and rescue of his people. He had been so moved by the Holy Spirit that he didn't go looking in the, all the likely places. He went looking for a child. And we look in Isaiah 52, and we see the story Coming to its conclusion in a child. The words of Isaiah 52 verse 7. Exploding out of this song. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news. Who proclaim peace. Who bring good tidings. Who proclaim salvation. Simeon said he saw salvation. Who say to Zion, which is where they were, Jerusalem. Your God reigns. Then he says, listen. Your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy when the Lord returns to Zion. What's Zion? It's Jerusalem, the holy city. And they will see it with their own eyes. And what they see, as Isaiah goes on, is a servant. One who is going to do what Israel failed to do by being a light for all the Gentiles. Simeon sang those words. Let's put them back up on the screen. He sang those words that says, I have seen God's salvation as you've promised. And he says, now you may dismiss your servant in peace. It's as if Simeon was there just to make this birth announcement that God had returned to Jerusalem, that God had kept his promises, that what they had been waiting for was finally found in this child that he held in his arms. So then he says in verse 30, my eyes have seen your salvation. And I love this because he didn't see a theory. He didn't see a belief. He saw a person. And this is another distinctive of our faith is that God didn't just drop a book out of the sky. He gave us his son, Jesus, who moved into our neighborhood. And you can see him. And then he says, which you've prepared in the sight of who? All nations. 
We read this in Isaiah 52. We read this in Isaiah 40. We read this in Isaiah 53. That God doesn't just want his people. He wants all people. And when God's king comes, it's for all people. And what happens is he says it's a light for revelation to the Gentiles, which is the everybody else, and the glory of God's people Israel. So look, he says right here in Jerusalem where God has returned, not in the Holy of Holies, but in the temple with all the rest of us. He says, look no further. Heaven and earth meets in this kid. Because to see Jesus is to see God's salvation. To see Jesus is to see God's promises finally realized. This whole book is one story waiting for Jesus to show up. And he comes. And he doesn't come to judge us. He comes to rescue us. He comes to move in to our filth and the places of waiting. Those places that are not yet and say they can be yes in me. If we would turn our eyes to Jesus, because to see Jesus is to see God's hand holding your life in love and peace. To say things like Simeon said, when it's so hard to wait, to see Jesus, you say, you know what? I realize that my idea of timing and my idea of asking is really reshaped and reformed when I see you. And so this is why it's so crucial to show up like Simeon did. And as you look ahead to the day when all things will be made new, until then, show up like any relationship and say, I want to learn to hear you. I want to learn to read and, 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 and give wisdom and understanding. I want to sit in stillness. I want to try to practice some of these disciplines that just arranges my life to hear more of you and to lean into those places when I'm walking by that person or I have that impulse to say that thing in this space, in that relationship. When I have this leading that I've got to give this or do that or step out in this to actually take the step. Because a step in that direction is a step toward Jesus. And a step in that direction, although difficult, is a step where the kingdom of God can break into our midst and actually change things today, not just then. So we go back to that question, how are you waiting? Because I know you're asking. I know, I know you're asking because I'm asking with you in prayer. I'm asking with you over those moments at the table. I'm asking with you. But how are we waiting? Are we looking ahead? And are we listening? Because if not, we can miss what God's doing. And I don't want to miss how, look, Luke says the child's father and mother. He doesn't say Mary and Joseph. Because it's focused on the child. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Do you know that they had heard angels speak about this kid? But it was this old man, Simeon, who had been waiting and waiting and waiting till finally he has his moment to sing four lines of a kingdom announcement. And they marveled at what he said. If we're not looking and listening, we can miss what God is doing in that period of waiting. 
Have you had an experience when you just had to stop and say, I think there's something more going on here? A moment in worship, a moment in prayer, a moment in conversations around the table where someone says something that just cuts through the fog and cuts through that bitterness in your heart and you just got to stop and say, I think there's something more going on here. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. So how are you waiting? You may not see the end game, but would you see those little moments, those little moments along the way that reminds you that the Holy Spirit is with you, the Holy Spirit is moving, and may we not rush past them this season. Because when we live in hope and listen to the Spirit, we see Jesus for who He really is. So may the Holy Spirit keep our eyes looking and keep our ears listening to Him. Would you join me in a word of prayer as the worship team comes up and we close our service in response? Would you just take a deep breath with me because I know a lot of you have just crash-landed to get here. You've been running and running and running. Your mind has been racing and racing and racing. There's another passage in Isaiah when he's speaking to a people who are waiting. They're rushing and running and twirling around and spinning. And he says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. He says, I've been longing to be gracious to you. God wants to be seen by you. You've been running past him. You've been going 60 miles an hour down the highway and you miss him. And he says, I've been longing to be gracious to you. I have so much for you. And I know it's hard for you to sit down. I know it's hard, but would you just show up? What does it look like for five minutes tonight? What does it look like for five minutes tomorrow? Five minutes the next day? Because perhaps God wants to meet with you and show you that if you would develop this rhythm of walking with Him, you won't have to run and rush as much anymore. You can learn the unforced rhythms of work and rest Because in repentance and rest is your salvation, not going out and trying to earn it. So God, would you speak tenderly to us? Would you speak to our hearts and say, you don't have to go and save the world. Let me do that. Would you just be here? Be with me. Would you just take a moment and maybe you got to ask for the millionth time for that thing you've been waiting. Ask him for it. Ask him to heal. Ask him to get unstuck. Ask him for strength to take one more step, the right step in the right direction. Ask him for forgiveness. You've been forgiven. But he can restore you. Ask him for these things. Don't rush past it. Ask him to help you wait.
well. Father, I pray for me, for all of us, that we would learn to see you and hear you. And when we feel frustrated because we're not doing it right or you're not meeting our expectations, would you just allow us to surrender our expectations to you? Because you might be trying to teach us something. So would we be a people of patience, people of grace to one another, people of encouragement to one another? And God, would you just meet with us in these next few moments that we give to you? In Jesus' name, amen. May God clothe you in the light of Christ. May Jesus Christ, may Christ Jesus teach you his ways. And may the Holy Spirit keep you alert and prepared for the coming day of the Lord. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.